Penn State finally got what fans wanted. They got a blowout win, and it came in a very peculiar week. Very peculiar game. Penn State wins 28-0 over Rutgers. Welcome to the BWI Live postgame show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. With me, Tom Hannafin, the co-host of the Pater Podcast on the Believe Network. We are here to break down Penn State and Rutgers. 28-0. We got some questions in the chat, although... Just to give you a heads up right now, my chat software does not seem to be working perfectly, so we'll get to that once we can get to that. But Tom, give me your initial impressions of this game, and then we'll get into some places and things that we found interesting, Penn State and Rutgers. Uh, what do you take away from this game? I'll say this. The first half was like watching The English Patient. I just wanted it to end, <laughs> and I wanted to take a nap. But once Christian Bayou came into the game, it really, really energized the entire team. It was awesome to see, and that is why I am wearing as much Buffalo plaid as I possibly can in honor of our Canadian quarterback. I have been very excited about yeah. uh, Christian Bayou for a long time, and you and I were talking about him a little bit before uh, we got started here, is that even going back to August, there wasn't a lot of discussion about Christian Veyu. It's like, hey, he's there. He's doing his thing. There was buzz about Taekwon as the number two, strictly as a number two, because he yep. was a good athlete and is a good athlete. Um, but there hasn't been a lot of discussion about Christian Veyu and some murmurs here and there through the season if he could jump up to number two. Now that finally happened this week. Sean Clifford. You know, it was almost like a mercy. Hey, you're out of the game, man, because the yeah. dude is banged up. He has been since Iowa. He was banged up in the Wisconsin game. Let me back up. And then um, obviously, as they mentioned before, the broadcast got underway. He's one of the dozens of players that succumbed to a stomach bug slash flu like symptoms this week. Nothing to do with COVID, thankfully. So. I mean, you just feel for Sean Clifford. It's like, dude, he could not cobble something together there in the first half. So it was the right thing to do to get him out of the game. And I, I'm not sure if he just wasn't able to continue, if that was the entire reason. But there's there's reason for positivity, which it's like, finally. Right. Uh, and, and to hear you say it was a blowout, I'm like, man, this game was 7 nothing, and it felt nothing like a blowout. And then as the game really kind of unraveled there in the fourth quarter, um, it certainly felt like one, at least for a quarter. And that's yeah. exactly what uh, my guest on Friday's edition of the Pater Podcast, the legend Mike Maudy, said, I know what we should do against Rutgers. And that's exactly what Penn State should have done against yeah. the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, and it was once they able once they were able to find a quarterback that was able to operate the offense, the things that you see on film when it comes to Rutgers from uh, – just systematic problems in their secondary of blown coverages, bad football in general, and bad athletes in, in positions to not succeed. That's what you saw from them in this game. It just took a quarterback that was present in the moment. You know, Sean Clifford was as present as he could be, but he was not healthy. And, and you could see from, from the things he was doing that he normally doesn't do. It's not even just a bad Sean Clifford game. Rolling to his right is one of his best things. He throws off that platform very well, and he skips some balls to receivers. He just didn't have any juice on anything, uh, and he was, I thought his pocket presence was pretty poor to start the game. And then when Christian Veyu came into the game, things got better. Penn State was able to move the ball through the air, which is what they had to do. In this particular game. So we got a couple questions in the chat. We'll be taking those. We'll be breaking down some of what Christian Vey you did and how that projects, I think, going forward. That's going to be the biggest thing. Uh, two big things coming out of this game is what is Sean Clifford's health? 
was there something that happened to his arm or his side or whatever when when he left the game because that was some of the reporting on television um or was it simply that he he didn't have it today that'll make a big difference going into michigan state because michigan state is a very different team than rutgers uh we we do have some questions in the chat and this is the first one i'll start with because not everyone knows exactly what a super chat is <laughs> why should i buy it so it's the uh, best chat that's why so super. It's yeah. it. Uh, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do the voice. Uh, so Max, what a what a super chat is is it is a donation to our YouTube channel first and foremost. And for that, we thank Ryan, who's put in a couple already. We'll be getting to his questions. What it means is I'll will absolutely see your question because as the chat is rolling, we're both here live talking to you on YouTube, and it comes up in a big colored box so I can see it and it's going to be one of those things that we're able to see and then answer um, but really what it is is a donation to the channel for doing this show live for you here post game Penn State Rutgers um, so we'll answer questions as many as we can get to but we absolutely always get to the super chat questions and that's where we're going to start with with Ryan is did this game tell us anything about next season as far as who could play what roles Washington Holmes Lee even Christian Veyu um, I'll go second because I have some pretty defined thoughts about that. But what do you think what you've seen from the young guys? Because it wasn't just Christian Veyu. Malik Mega, a freshman, came in and scored a touchdown. Tyler Warren, a young tight end, came in and scored a touchdown. You have Landon Tangwall that eventually ended up at left tackle playing well in this game. What did you see from those young players that you you either want to project to next year as a as our resident expert fan or as somebody who is ver well versed in football? What are you looking at that you want to see translate going forward? There's a lot of pieces in place that I think we already knew about as guys that could jump ahead. I saw Parker Washington's name. I believe that's the person that's uh, being referred to there. Um, Parker Washington is absolutely going to take the mantle from Jahan Dotson. Whether he's the exact same type of player remains to be seen. He could. Um, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Kenny Stills from when he was at Oklahoma and that he's a fantastic slot receiver. So you may see him there for the remainder of his career, and he may officially be the number two wide receiver, but he's the number one option next season uh, if and when Jahan Dotson goes to the NFL. Um, the running back position, I think we've seen it for a couple games now. Kevon Lee is separating himself. I really am interested to see what John Lovett could be all about. I, I think Noah Kane, we kind of know what he is at this point, um, and a lot of that has been at the mercy of a bad offensive line. Um, I think, T. Frank, like yourself, because um, I saw you tweeting about it during the game, there were so many freshmen into this game at the offensive line position, and, and not even just freshmen, but guys who were unproven or just had had questionable reps, that it was kind of like, hold your breath and hope Christian Veyu is healthy. And then eventually we saw Mason Stahl get into the game, and I really want to talk about that. I, I think there's a lot of exciting depth. And the, the fact that we knew about all these tight ends, yeah. which are just starting to get their sea legs, this core is going to be outstanding for years to come, and it gives you so many different options. And now that they have a season under their belts, it just opens things up so much more. Um, the quarterback situation, I, I, I just want everybody to calm down. Everybody <laughs> calm down. I was getting texts from friends of like, we got our guy, and it's like, we could. We could. Yeah. yeah. A lot still has to happen, but I want to go back to UT Frank and specifically to the offensive line guys, and then we can get into quarterback. Uh, well, with with the 
with the offensive linemen in particular. At one point, Jimmy Chris is at right tackle. Landon Tengwall is at left tackle. That part was a little bit nerve-wracking for Penn State football fans, or it should have been, because uh, those guys are completely untested at those positions. Landon Te- and, and this is the other thing, is Rutgers, the profile of this game is Rutgers doesn't have a pass rush. They just don't have one. So all of what they have comes from the interior, and you saw that from Julius Turner early in the game, where Penn State was getting to the quarterback with stunts and twists off the nose tackle. Once they kind of got their communication underneath their belt, Penn State's offensive line did pretty well. Uh, And that's a really interesting thing that I don't think people give enough credit for as we talk about the times that the stunts do get home, and it's typically early in the game. But I think that is an example of in-game coaching and adjusting where later on a true freshman, Landon Tangwell, is picking up guys from the interior player, passing guys off, and was doing a great job protecting. So the mental aspect looked like it was not too big for him. The physical aspect of playing that position, he played strong. He's a big, thick kid. He, I, I have been super excited about him, watching him play football since his uh, senior tape a couple years ago. There's nobody that was going to test him athletically to the point of attack at the, at the apex of a pass rush. There were no guys that could do that on this defense. So I would. Uh, that's where I would say we need to have more information about Tangwall at left tackle but I was curious if he'd be a better guard at this level. What he showed me today is I think he's going to be a very solid right tackle at the very least, and then I'll leave the door open to see what he does once we get more information on him in the future. But I was watching at the very, even to the very end. I want to see how he did against the run. I, there was more productivity on the ground, which is where Rucker's strength is. So that is, a, that is an important thing. Um, and then we all know Keziah Holmes is a fast football player, but every single time I watch him touch the ball, late in the game, he got two carries, and I think he broke two tackles. So I continue to be super intrigued by him, and we'll see what he has to offer next season. But as far as Parker Washington, to me, that was a a well-known thing. Malik Mega caught the ball really well. I've always been impressed when we go to practice and we have open availability. He always is a very natural hands catcher. He catches the ball really well for him. And for Christian Veyu and for some of these young freshmen coming from Canada, it actually is just what we're talking about and what Ryan says here is, how did it take 11 games to get Christian Veyu up to speed? So for those of you that are unaware of Christian Veyu's history here, comes from Canada, went to Canisius, you were speaking of Buffalo Plaid, he uh, played in Buffalo at Canisius High School. I think that's also where Rob Gronkowski went. Uh, His sophomore season of high school transfers to the Bullis school in Maryland to go to a higher level program. And then COVID shuts down his senior year. So he didn't play last year. He's coming into a new offense. He was an early enrollee. He's a true freshman, but guys football's a really hard game. (laughs) It's a really complex game. And that was one thing that surprised me this in this particular game is if I were Greg Schiano. I would have thrown as many weird coverages at Christian Veyu as I possibly could have. And they didn't. They played man coverage for the most part. They played cover either either there was a busted coverage or it was cover zero and somebody lost their man. And that was the Malik Mega touchdown. That was just wide open. Um, He played really well, but I don't know that he was tested mentally in this game as much, but he performed at a high level in all of these situations. So the reason it took 11 games is because he's a true freshman, and that's the normal trajectory. I know that people seem to think it's not because of the exceptions to the rule, but those are the exceptions to the rule that start as true freshmen and play like that, and they typically don't play well. You only watch the highlights. 
You don't mm-hmm. see the down-in and down-out struggles of young freshman quarterbacks that play and play right away. So Christian Veyu, the fact that he was able to beat out Taquan Roberson and he wasn't just given to him this year, is an actual indication of his mental grasp of the football game, which you saw today. And that's the that's the answer. Is He needed six more weeks to learn the difference between cover three cloud and straight cover three, or cover two and cover six. These are all things you just don't absorb in one day. It's not a supercomputer robot. People learn and progress in their development. That's that's really what it is. And, 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 and I know that most people don't really like that answer, but time is the only factor here. Here's the thing we all need to back up with, okay? Taquan Roberson got thrown into the Iowa game in a surprise, right? Not saying that Christian Veyu was surprised, but he probably had a pretty good hunch like, hey, I might play in this Rutgers game just because you could see the way Sean was dealing with things. Hell, he was taking first-team reps uh, from what we understand during the week and then at least earlier in the day at times. So it wasn't a surprise to Christian Veyu. Taquan was definitely surprised going into the game against the Hawkeyes. So it's apples to oranges. You're on the road in a hostile environment in three versus four, and then you come all the way to the end of the season when – there's not a ton to play for. I'm sorry for the Penn State and the Lions. Christian Veyu doesn't have a ton of pressure on him. Rutgers has no idea what his tendencies are, and yep. it's not a good Rutgers team. So this yep. was the perfect situation to put a freshman quarterback in who has had time to get ready for this. Walter Payton ran for 199 yards with the flu. <laughs> please tell me you're kidding here, Matthew. Yeah, Michael Jordan played the game of his life with the flu. It's also the two greatest players in their individual sports and a college quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> please oh, tell me we're kidding with this, right? Because oh. I knew that came up. That that came up quite a bit. I knew that was going to come up. I just, we have to oh. be kidding about that. I, th- I think it's not even it's not even an issue from like, um, you know, like it, it was Sean sick. Sean is hurt. Clifford's been hurt since week one. It was worse against Iowa. It got worse against Ohio State. And all the PR that the team has done to say that he's healthy, he's good to go. And him even saying I'm 100 percent. I appreciate trying to put out smoke screens. But goodness, you're not fooling anybody when he walks out onto the field right now. And it and it's a shame because we've yeah. seen him play at a high level. And I said this to you before we got started. If Sean was 100 percent healthy, right? Circa 2019, Sean Clifford, you maybe see a similar game that Christian Veyu had out of Sean Clifford today against yep. Rutgers yep. because they're running the same offense, by the way. Yep. Veyu made some good decisions, and to your point, he was reading coverage as well. He was making some throws that we were like, Sean's not done that, but Sean's not been healthy. Let's give the guy a little bit of a break. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'll, I'll say, though, is the, the difference being that Christian Veyu was accurate from multiple platforms, and, and that True. was a huge... So that was on his high school tape. What he did play as a senior, or excuse me, as a junior, um, when I broke down his film back in the day, all the way back before, gosh, that was like 2019. Feels like 30 years ago. But uh, he's an accurate quarterback. Like, that's what he is. Off-platform, off-schedule, on the run, from the pocket. He is, he delivers the ball well. You can see he's got a nice delivery. Good zip on the end. I would say it was a bit of a baseball throw where it accelerates kind of off his wrist. The thing he needed to work on was obviously learning football and then the physical side. Well, he's now 202 pounds. I think he was like 190 when he was in high school. And the mental aspect has caught up. He was uh, 15 of 24, 
63% completion percentage, three touchdowns, 235 yards. Um, this is a so Penn State has done a couple of things that I think are super interesting in recruiting. And Showtime says who knew the pipeline from talent of of talent from Canada? They've gone to Canada. And I know that it didn't quite work out yet, but they've gone to Europe to look for talent. Penn State has gone everywhere to find football players. Malik Mega is another guy that when we first saw him, I said, I'll never not be interested in 6'4 and runs like he does. I mean, he runs a sub 4 440. You saw that. So the talent on this roster is clearly there. It's going to be about getting them up to speed and playing at that level so the next wave of Penn State football players takes over and I think that's always what it in a, in a season where you're you're now seven and four six and four coming in this game mm-hmm. it feels like for Penn State football fans the sky is falling but it's not like they haven't been recruiting talented players it's just right can they get those guys up to speed in time where they need to take over when you have some misses at the position and you have some depth issues at receiver it's not that they're lacking talent underneath it's that the talent isn't quite ready yet uh so what were your impressions of the defense we spent a lot of time talking about the offense we're here on the bwi live post game show i'm your host thomas frank Carr, part of the on three network now if you want to sign up for on three it is just one dollar to get 12 months of access so you can go all the way up to the final week of the 2022 season for just one dollar Sign up now. The link is in the description of the video. If you want to do that, check it out after the show. I'll have my film review up there. And of course, Tom Hannafin, you can check him out on the Paydirt podcast, part of the Believe Network. And if you're enjoying the video so far, hit the like button. Share it with all your friends. We'll get more people in here. We'll talk more football. We're going about an hour today. Uh, so the defense, Tom, this is another one of those, what can you take out of this, uh, out of this game against Rutgers? What were your impressions of how they played? They did exactly what they were supposed to do. It's been the most consistent unit that we've seen all season from Penn State. So I don't think anybody was necessarily surprised by what the Penn State defense did. Um, I did expect Rutgers to maybe score some points, and the fact that they didn't come away with any on that uh, deep drive early in the fourth quarter. Granted, they were down by multiple scores going forward on fourth down. You, you understand the reasoning there, but... I thought for sure at some point Rutgers was maybe going to put some points on the board. So to shut them out is great. But you kind of expected Penn State's defense to be able to that. Noah Vidral doesn't really scare anybody. Um, Isaiah Pacheco is a good running back, but just clearly that offensive line was not winning against the Penn State defensive line. Um, Derek Tangelo, hats off to him. He has really stepped up. It was a question following P.J. Mustafer uh, getting injured against Iowa. We saw Tangelo trying to find his footing uh, the remainder of the Iowa game, the Illinois game. But ever since then, he's continued to improve, and he's become that guy that can be a disruptor at yep. the center of the defensive line, which admittedly, that was Mustafer's role. And we were curious because Tangelo doesn't have exactly the same size. Would he be capable of that? So uh, the the secondary played well after you know, being exposed a little bit against Michigan. Um, so, I mean, the defense did exactly what you expected them to do, and that gave Veyu and company tons of opportunities to succeed on offense. It was not a day where you were just struggling uphill in terms of field position. The defense gave the offense fantastic field position on a regular basis. So uh, if you're Brent Pry and James Franklin, you're ecstatic about what the defense did. But again, it's exactly what you expected out of them. Yeah, it was 31 runs for 72 yards for Rutgers. And this is what, again, watching the film coming into this game, this is what you were expecting. They they don't have any talent at receiver or tight end 
or running back. No, and, if, and, if and Noah Melton, Vedrill's okay. Melton, yeah, if the Melton kid is elsewhere, he could do some damage, but him as the lone threat, it's not going to get anything done. Yeah, and he's a good football player, so I'll give mm-hmm. him the fact that he's a good football player, But and I, I'm not going to say, like, well, he wouldn't start anywhere else, but, like, he lacks the danger of the explosiveness. He's He's a good you know, physical possession receiver with some good speed, but I don't know that he's... Watching him on film, I didn't go, there are... Any athlete in Penn State secondary can match up with him. Not There Mm -hmm. there wasn't like, okay, you can't put X on him because he'll expose something. There's none of that for Rutgers, and that's really what their offense is built on. We were talking pregame of what's up with Rutgers, how they can play some teams close, and they can blow out Indiana, and then they can... the, The reality is... Any team that runs the ball, so Michigan, um, Indiana didn't have any any team that doesn't have a passing attack. Really, is what it is. They they can they can play down to Rutgers' level because Rutgers can't do anything. They're just waiting for you to mess up or for you to run power and counter and pull on every single play. Like Michigan allowed Rutgers to be in that game. The minute they decided to score points, they scored points. And that's been what it is on film for Rutgers all season long, is if you play down to their level schematically and then you have some bad plays, you're in the game. But the minute they face a quarterback, and surprisingly today it was Christian Veyu, and they score points, Rutgers has no firepower to come back at them. Uh, Mm -hmm. For anyone who watched the game and wasn't aware beforehand, and believe it or not, Tom, I had somebody on uh, Twitter ask me, hey, where's Rasheed Walker? Penn State, just to get everyone up to speed. And this is, uh, I think, Showtime points this out. Uh, last week was hard on the coaching staff getting a sick team ready. A non-COVID virus is going through the program. And Rashid Walker, starting left tackle, starting right tackle, Caden Wallace, started the game and then left because he couldn't play. Starting center, Mike Miranda was out. Curtis Jacobs, starting outside linebacker. They were all out. Sean Clifford was playing sick. So they didn't have half of their starting offensive line. And once again... For everyone that wants the backups to be better than the starters at other schools, here you go. Penn State's basically their second-string offensive line quarterback, and everything other than the skill positions beat Rutgers today. So mm-hmm. if Clifford if Clifford is healthy next week, are we already on? Penn State fans are already on to 2022. Can the coaching staff afford to do that? My thought is that. This is just understanding the way this coaching staff thinks. If Sean can go, they will probably have Sean play. Do I think that's what they should do? No, Sean's not 100%. Sean's not healthy. I I don't see any reason in uh, not putting Veyu out there after what you saw today. Now, granted, Michigan State is going to be ticked off because they just got mollywopped by Ohio State. But this is going to be an interesting game because – Again, you're not playing for the college football playoff. You're not playing for a Big Ten title game. So you're really just playing for pride at this point, and you're playing, of course, you want to win the game. I think Christian Veyu, based on what we saw today, gives Penn State the best chance to win because Sean Clifford is not even remotely close to 100%. You give Veyu the opportunity. Now, as you mentioned, everybody's immediately jumping ahead to 2022. I think part of the decision of whether or not it's Sean or Veyu next week, A, Sean's health. B, the coaching staff probably knows a lot more than you and I, T. Frank, in terms of whether or not Sean may or may not be coming back next season. It's not the best look to bench your starter if he's healthy in the last game of the season and the dude's coming back next year. 
Yeah. So yeah, well, he's not. It, it if, that's, cre- if that happens, the second thing is definitely isn't happening. True, and and it does create a myriad of questions. Does Sean Clifford return to school? Does Sean Clifford transfer? Does Sean Clifford go to the NFL? Okay, all those questions, right? Yeah. Now it's Christian Bayou. Is he a legitimate starter at quarterback? What about Drew Alar walking in the door? And Roberson is still in the building from what we understand, or at least speculating ahead. Yep. So there's tons of questions that come from this. Yeah, uh, and, and this is, so to Showtime's question, I'll just give you one stat. Jacob Panishuk has 63 total pressures, eight sacks, eight quarterback hits so far. He is a defensive end for Michigan State. One of the best parts of their defense. They struggle in coverage. I mean, that's why Ohio State was able to torch them is because they've struggled in coverage all season long. So that's not that is an advantage for Penn State with their stable of receivers, whoever the quarterback is. But again, it's not Rutgers. There will be legitimate mm-hmm. threats, especially if the tackles are not healthy next week and uh, they're still recovering from this. Jacob Panishuk is not going to let Christian Veyu do what he did today. It'll be a much stiffer test. But I do want to say JC has a good point here. Team chemistry and energy was different with Christian Veyu. Don't care who the opponent was. This is something I, I, I'm i not usually this guy when it comes to the intangibles and overrating them, but there was a clear difference on the sideline. I just saw a shot of Veyu pumping up the offensive line before the start of the game. He wasn't even the starter. He was just, Mm -hmm. you know, the backup quarterback, and he was providing some energy and some juice. Uh, He was giving guys encouragement in the huddle. He clearly looked in command of everything that was going on. The moment wasn't too big for him, and he's a little cocky. One of the things I've noticed about him is he's got a little bit of an edge to him as far as he's this skinny freshman kid who's who's a little bit, you know, doesn't look the part, but then he starts, uh, he starts jumping out of bounds on a quarterback run Ooh, and tweaks that his knee. make me nervous. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's showboating a little bit at the end of a first down run that gets him that tweaks his knee. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you like that energy from your starting quarterback. That's Love the it. sort of thing that, that Trace McSorley brought to the table. And again, you're a numbers guy. And I mean like jersey numbers. I'm not a jersey numbers guy, but number nine seems to have some good mojo for Penn State quarterbacks, doesn't it? Yeah, and I saw a lot of people jumping. Oh, it's just like Trace. And again, I will say everybody settle down. Everybody (laughs) calm down. Um, No, I liked a lot of what VU did. And my first thought when I saw him out on the field, I'm like, all right, this dude is a good three inches taller than just about all these other quarterbacks Penn State has trotted out recently being uh, Roberson, uh, Clifford, and then McSorley. Let's not forget, Trace is not a big dude. So to have a guy back there that's 6'4", and granted could probably afford to tack on 20 pounds of muscle in the next few years, maybe more, um, plus you have Drew Alar coming in who's built at six foot four and a half, 228 pounds, like you finally have the size at quarterback so that if you're going to run the guy 16 times a game, oh, yeah, he's not going to be a broken down person by the end of the season like Sean Clifford. is. It's a little bit more reasonable. Um, Veyu, I think, is a confident dude. He's got the head of hair to support it. And we saw <laughs> you're, at the you're professional level. Hair guy, hair, hair guy is important. That is important. Big on the hair, and I know you are. Um, but it's also something that, like, at the professional level, we all just saw it in recent weeks with the Carolina Panthers in the NFL. Cam Newton, granted, apples to oranges, but the dude yep. comes off the streets and gets put back into the lineup, and everybody's jacked up because they didn't see it coming. That's yeah. the great part about football and sports in general. 
There's competition. It's guys coming off the bench and doing things you didn't expect. And the emotional side of sports, you can't underestimate it. And that's what Bayou did today. Yeah. Uh, for everyone who's asking and who, who's saying all these things about Illinois and who's talking about the, the oh, uh, Iowa game, we did talk about this early to start the show of why wasn't he put in earlier? So if you want to go back and rewatch that, We'll, we'll, you know, we've, we've covered that part already. If you're just asking it again because, you know, you want to make that point, it's unrealistic to think that your freshman quarterback five weeks into the season is going to be ready to do what he did in week, what is this, 12? I mean, it's yeah. double the amount of time. It's double the amount of learning. I, this is speaking from experience. You know, when I really got into, like, learning football and learning coverages and how to diagnose things pre-snap and to watch what the defense is doing it took me a year and a half of like really studying and I'm talking about every single day in a professional setting to learn um to learn football and just like Christian Veyu it's not my full-time job it wasn't my full-time job at the time I had another job on top of that but it takes that long to learn football. Like, I'm, if you think football is an easy game, you don't even understand the, the game you're watching. I, I just, I, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, rude. I'm just, I'm telling you, there is another level to football that doesn't even get it on the camera. What happens in the secondary? And your co-host uh, on, on your podcast, Mr. Matt McGloin, talks about that all the time of, you get mad at the quarterback. You don't know what's going on. Like, you can't see what he's looking at. There's so much to football that happens that we don't see from a broadcast angle that if you're expecting a true freshman to di digest all of that quickly, along with the offense he's operating, it took him 11 weeks plus the offseason to get there. But he got, the good news is, instead of looking backwards and being sour about it, look forward to the future saying, a guy got it in the first year. Like, we're not even 12 months into him being in this offense, and he was operating at pre-snap just as good as Sean Clifford was, at, you know, from, from reading the keys, checking to plays, throwing the football. I thought all that was A-plus from Christian Veyu. No, a lot of stuff that was beyond his years, and it was something that was harped on uh, during the broadcast, is that he'd not started a competitive football game since 2019, and before that... I believe it was only one season of American football yep. that he'd played. So let's Junior. forgive the dude who is converting from the Canadian football game, which granted, yes, coverages and schemes are similar, but there are differences in the rules of yep. the way the game is played and the physical layout of the field, et cetera. I could go on and on because I watched the Canadian football league. But yeah, this dude had a learning curve that is bigger than most people. However, you see the ability, and it's okay that it took him time. I think the only person who can really answer that question will be Christian Veyu. It's just, hey, how are you feeling in week three, week three, week four, week five? You know, mentally, where were you at? Yeah. And he may give you the answer of, oh, yeah, I had it. I was good to go. Yeah. But in his heart of hearts, I'd be very curious, and maybe we'll get that answer someday. Yeah, and I again, I think this is a positive sign. What I saw, the progression from Sean Clifford from early in his career to what he is now was improvement when it came, when it comes to the mental side of the game under Mike Yersich. I'm very big on what do I see from a quarterback in you know in the system with the quarterback coach. I did not see the improvements with the previous couple offensive coordinators that I did under Mike Yersich. And here's another thing of Christian Veyu was behind the scenes learning this whole time. 
you know, I, I think when it comes to the starting reps, we talk about like practice time and live reps and all those things. They were pouring as much as they could into Sean Clifford to get him ready to compete early in the season. But it's not like they're not coaching all of the football players. Maybe the emphasis is on the starter, but each quarterback is there. You know, when we get to see practice and you can go check out our YouTube channel, we have a weekly highlight video of the quarterbacks and everybody practicing from what we get to see. They're all there absorbing the same information. It's not like they all leave and they quarterback coach one-on-one in some sort of like hyperbaric chamber. They're all out there hearing the same things from Mike Yersich, and they seem to be absorbed in, into Christian Veyu. And that is a good, that is a really good sign for Penn State football. To Bill Go Mets, it looks like Bill Go Baggins. Uh, Bill Go Mets, do you see Bo redshirting next year? I see Bo and Drew Aller redshirting next year. I, I, that's my default setting because Christian yep. Veyu is going to redshirt this year. So, it, you know, what we saw today is a, a good first step. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll have, by the time Dece- De- January rolls around, one calendar year at Penn State. By the time we get to next year, he'll have, a, he'll have 18 months of learning. And if he's at this point where he's able to win a football game, come in, immediately play, uh, well in his first start, not look like the moment was too big for him from not a from from a non-scheme perspective, non-X's and O's perspective, just the emotional, tangible moment wasn't too big for him, then I don't think unless those two guys are truly special, I don't think either of them start. We'll see what happens later in the year, but I, I just, yeah. I, my default setting is freshman quarterback aren't going to start. No, there's no pressure and it's, Look, it, it's a similar thought process with uh, NFL quarterbacks that, okay, if you start them immediately, are they going to get shell-shocked? Or if you bench them for a season, are they going to turn into Aaron Rodgers? Uh, yeah. At least the quarterback on the field. So there's a lot of questions of what you could do there. And Penn State, at least under James Franklin, have not seemed like a, a school that is like, we've got to get somebody in right this second, the moment they're on campus. So I would expect patience in that department. Uh, under any circumstances, is Peter. There are, I I see no reason why you'd start Clifford next week under any circumstances, not not a single one, not one. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> there's not I, I one. Think... There's not one circumstance where you would start your starting quarterback. I I, I know he played well. I know he played well. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom, do you want to get into like the touchdown throws and and kind of talking about those? Because I know yeah, you, um, I know you were saying pump the brakes. What is it about what you saw today? Is it just that it's Rutgers, or was there something you were seeing that makes you go, okay, so that was good, but it's a, it's Rutgers. Everybody, calm down. B, a lot of the things that um, that Veyu was being asked to do, we've seen Sean Clifford do. We've seen Trace McSorley do. This is in the vein of the offense, and he did a very good job at that. Very early in his career, might I add, in terms of he was making adjustments at the line. Um, I think he was just more accurate with the ball. And it was funny because they said it before the broadcast, Sean Clifford is the most accurate passer in the history of Penn State football. That's and, a technicality. <laughs> yeah, statistically, I'm like, that might be true. I'm like, <laughs> leave that at that. Um, yeah. But that you gave you better options. And again, it's just yeah. it's apples to oranges right this second. But you do have to consider the blue sky of Sean Clifford completely healthy, Christian Veyu completely healthy. Clearly, 
Sean Clifford has close to three years of equity built up with this coaching staff. I understand him potentially getting the nod next week. Um, Veyu, I liked a lot of what he did just because he didn't make too many bad decisions. There were a handful of balls where you're just like, ah, careful there, and you're, you'll yeah. forgive a freshman. You'll forgive a freshman. But you love the confidence. You love, love the, confidence. the confidence of where he was placing the football. And the one thing I can't wait to talk to Matt McGloin about this on, on Monday's episode of Pater, because if there's anybody who had moxie and confidence, it was Matt McGloin slinging the ball back there. Yep. Um, now you put it on a dude who's got a 6'4 frame as opposed to peeking over the offensive line. I'm yep. really excited about his potential. Um, he just seems smart. He seemed calm. I'd love to see him run it less. Less. And to not just lower to, his shoulder, right? Because you're, you mentioned it a little bit before when he galloped out of bounds and he was just feeling himself, right? Yes, and he, he grabs was. it as me. It's like, okay, yep. you still have another game to play. Sean is banged up. We don't know his status for next week. Yep. Um, Take one Roberson. I, I think you said that he was one of the group that was sick. Yes. He, uh, yes. well, none of the quarterbacks okay. were able, able to practice okay. on uh, late in the week, is what they said on the broadcast. Now, to, right. to give you a perspective, is we were we are at practice. Media day is, is Wednesday. So we get to come to the beginning of practice. We see about 20, 24 minutes of practice. And all three quarterbacks were there and throwing. So this all happened after Wednesday. Your installation has already begun. You're already midstream with your, your planning for this particular game when the quarterbacks got sick. So you were really in a situation where you didn't know if Sean Clifford was going to be able to go, but because he tried to give it to Michael Jordan, he tried to play with the flu, he was out there to start the game. Uh, clearly, Veyu was not nearly as sick. When it comes to um, the offensive line, they were not there on Wednesday. So Rasheed Walker was not present. We saw a lot of work with the offense and the defense in one-on-one -on -one pass blocking situations. We saw the guys you saw uh, when it came to, I kind of had an idea that they were going to try Bryce Effner at left tackle because he was getting a lot of reps on the left side when they were doing one-on-one -on -one pass blocking situations. They had Tengwall on the right side for most of practice, but when they got into the game, they, they, they decided they needed to flip that. And I thought that had a positive effect on the offense. One of the things that I've been talking about is that Caden Wallace doesn't have the athleticism to get down on some of those blocks in inside and outside zone. When you're on the backside, you need to get to the front side of the play. You need to get to the front side of the defender to your inside shoulder. So that means a defensive tackle, he's out here, he's got to get across that guy's face. And he just, at times... He can get there if the guy is late, but if the guy is on time and it's a quick defensive tackle, he can't get there. Bryce Effner is a quick player. He is an athletic, less than powerful player, but he can get there and he can seal that off with body and position. That opened up some running lanes on the interior, which you saw the effect of. Penn State had 149 yards rushing on the day. Kevon Lee, 13 for 41. So they had some good movement on the ground. Again, there were still some problems there, but... Tangwall played well at the at the left tackle position after the first drive or so where he had a couple ugly reps and then his talent took over. And I thought the offensive line for this particular game gelled pretty well. So that's going to be interesting to see how they play that going forward. I imagine they'll go back to their starters. But I thought there were positive things that you saw from adjustment standpoint of Penn State trying to find the right mix and match up front. Because again, we're talking a lot about the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But um, it was more than just that along the offensive line when it comes to 
players that were not participating this week. David says Hardy and King are going to be sensational corners. I tried to talk about the defense a couple minutes ago, David. We got right back on the quarterbacks. Uh, Hardy, already a freaking stud, doesn't get enough credit sometimes. What have you seen from Daquan Hardy this year? I've said on my own podcast that there are five future NFL defensive backs in the secondary, and I consider Daquan Hardy to be one of the starting corners. He just happens to be the nickel corner or the third corner, however you want to phrase it. So um, I believe that entirely. Daquan Hardy's been outstanding this season. Um, King, there's just he just needs reps. Uh, Marquise Wilson got out there a bunch today. That was really great to see. And then you have depth just in terms of experience with a guy like Jonathan Sutherland who went out there and got a turnover late in the game. So there's really good depth all together with this secondary. It is an embarrassment of riches because, and again, on my own podcast, Matt McGloin is a dude who went undrafted and had a nice career in the NFL and then uh, played in the XFL, obviously. Where you're drafted doesn't necessarily mean your overall talent ability, but there are a couple first, second round picks in this secondary, which is astonishing to think they're all playing at the same time, and they just keep churning them out. So the secondary is one of the strengths of this defense, and the defense is lights out. And we don't even give enough credit to the linebacking core sometimes. Yeah. Does anybody want to get hit by Ellis Brooks? Pass. <laughs> no. Hard pass. <laughs> That's a that's a good point. He was another guy. So he's been playing with that cast on his hand and he hasn't missed yeah. a ton of tackles since the the cast. He did go down and I saw him holding his his thumb, which I, mm -hmm. I imagine something in, in that area when you cast it that way. That might be the issue. Um, so hopefully he's healthy for the final game. They're really going to need him against Kenneth Walker next week. Uh, Brandon Smith has gotten better. There were still some times where he's just so. If you could take all of the instincts that you have in Ellis Brooks and you could just gift them to Brandon mm. Smith, you would have a player at or above the level of Micah Parsons when it comes to purely the linebacker position. But, you know, he, he made a lot of good plays today. There's just a couple of times where you go, man, you can make that play. Noah yeah. Vedrill was flushed from the pocket by quarterback blitz. He had him lined up, just missed the play. Uh, but to your point uh, and to David's point about Daquan Hardy, I think he's the second best corner on this team. I think Joey Porter Jr., obviously from the physical aspect, is the superior player. But the best technician, the best athlete at the position with the speed and the quickness to play in the slot, which at times I know you're not playing against the number one X receiver, but you have to defend a two-way go on every single play in the slot. That athletically is more challenging at times than just playing against the better player. And he has been lights out at that position. I, I think he's got a future in the NFL as a, as, a, as a slot corner. And he had some good run defense reps today, too, where he was able to shut down uh, some of those swing passes. That's the one area where he's a little undersized. 5'9 is not the problem. It's that his frame isn't really all that filled out. So you can be six foot and lanky. You can't be lanky at 5'9". But he still plays tough at that position. Yeah. So no, I, I'm really impressed by Daquan Hardy. Yeah, there, there's a lot of ability with these guys, and uh, it's just a matter of where they wind up on Sundays. But uh, the, I continue to be really impressed with the depth. Um, Tig Brown is somebody who I don't think gets a lot of credit just because uh, yeah. Jaquan Brisker is the star guy, you know, the dude who's, I think, the number three ranked overall safety according to Pro Football Focus, will probably be a first-round draft pick. But Tig Brown's been excellent. He's been a really good piece. And then people just kind of forget Tariq Castro-Fields is quietly having a really nice season just because he doesn't get thrown at a ton. So uh, I think the thing in college football that really drives me nuts sometimes, and you talked about Daquan Hardy, okay, he's not facing the best guy. 
every time he goes out there, uh, T. Frank, they tell him, hey, do your job, and he does his job. What's that? That's the, the question at the end of the day every NFL head coach and scout is going to ask. Did he take care of his assignment? And the answer more often than not is yes. Yep. Yeah, I was I was just teasing you a little bit, Pete. I, I appreciate you you uh <laughs> you having an opinion and and, and I I don't so yeah, here's it, here's the thing. Uh, Tom, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, it's like I said before. My heart is with all of you and that Christian Veyu played a good game, ride the hot hand into Michigan State, and Sean yeah. Clifford is clearly not 100%. However, yeah. we know the way James Franklin works. James Franklin will probably assess, assess Sean Clifford's health in the next few days, and if he thinks Sean is good enough to go, we have seen in the past, because it happened against Illinois, that James Franklin will start Sean Clifford because he has belief in Sean Clifford. So... I am with you guys on the Veyu start against Michigan State, but we'll see what happens. So th- it's a trust factor as well. So I, I think this is the, it's it's the I know what I'm getting from Sean, regardless positive or negative. I know what we're working with here, and with Christian, that trust has been built now. So the the, the building blocks of that started when he earned the second string position. Then he goes in and plays well in this particular game. So one game, one, one game. And, and I, I, I want to get I want to get to a couple of these plays because I think it's important to have context as well. He threw three touchdowns. The first one was a next level throw where he is pre snap diagnosing, getting the guy to shift to the right spot, seeing its man coverage, checking the play immediately with his offensive lineman or with his receivers. He did not look to the sideline to get that play, meaning he had both plays, the zone beater and the man coverage beater called in the huddle. Then he checks to the man coverage play. It's a two person route. It's in a rolling pocket. He's throwing off platform to exactly the spot he needs to for a touchdown. That is the reason you score in the red zone right there the attention to detail at every single level, and the accuracy to do it. That is the throw you should hold on to. The second touchdown where he's throwing off-platform, I still don't know if that was a good throw. I really need to go back and look at that because he yeah. threw the ball. When I when I watched this, he threw the ball to the inside of the receiver's body. He threw it low, basically at the defensive back, and Parker Washington made an awesome catch, and the defensive back didn't turn around. A better player on the defense may have batted that down or intercepted that. But you get the touchdown, you get credit for the throw. But let's not go through the process and not examine what his decision was. And on the third play, the safety for Rutgers bit so hard on the run fake that I don't know if it was cover zero, meaning no safety help, or if uh, he just bit on the run fake. But what I do know is it was man coverage, and the guy covering Malik Mega didn't know that. I think, T. Frank, I think it was a little bit of both. I think the safety absolutely bit, but I think the corners, everybody was really pressed up against the line, and it was just a really good play call, probably not expecting that to happen, but the play design was perfect, and then it just leaked Malik Mega right down the center of the field, and you could have made that throw. Nothing against Christian Veyu, but it was wide open, so that was great. Yeah. So, but but my point being, it was a wide open throw. Now, give him credit for not being overwhelmed by the blitz. He was not overwhelmed by there being seven men on the line of scrimmage. So he found, and this is another thing too, is there were a couple times he checked the protection and found a hot route and threw it immediately. So Rutgers was trying to do things to him that are supposed to rattle a young quarterback, and it didn't work. 
So those are all really positive signs. But if you're coming out of this game saying that Christian Veyu is the next X, Y, or Z, there are still things he hasn't been tested by. Rutgers did not run nearly as much zone coverage as I thought they were going to. They ran a lot of man coverage, which is what we saw on film. It's what they want to do. And they couldn't execute. And Christian Veyu found the receivers. Some of the throws to Tyler Warren, or even the one that was nearly intercepted. So that particular throw is into cover two, where you have a deep safety covering half the field and a corner underneath. And there's a spot, a blind spot in the coverage that if you can throw to it with either anticipation or with zip on the ball, you get a big play in the second level window of the defense. And Christian Veyu, in his very first start, is trying to hit the cover two hole. That doesn't happen. (laughs) That doesn't happen with true freshmen. When When I watched Taquan Roberson in the spring... It was all underneath. I watched some of these same throws, and Veyu wasn't doing this in the spring. He was not doing any of this in the spring. But the point is, he is now. Those are all good things, but there are things that he hasn't really seen from a true pressure situation or true coverage disguise in this particular game. So that is one thing next week. If he does have to play, the differences could be stark. I think the really good thing on top of all the things you just mentioned is that he hung in the pocket. There was pressure yes. on him, but he took hits. He completed passes. And even uh, even if he didn't complete the pass, the ball was still in the neighborhood. It wasn't put into a bad situation. And I think the things like the the deep attempts to Cam Sullivan Brown early on and the one late to Jahan Dotson, um, that's just timing. That's just the dude just now getting opportunities with the first team. Uh, you know, he's had that sporadically through the season, but that's just developing timing with these guys, understanding their speed versus what the play is, all those things. So, and I was excited by the strength of his arm. And again, I, I said it earlier, he's only 200 pounds as a freshman. This guy's going to tack on size and it's going to help him yep. be more durable. Yep. It's going to help him throw the ball. There's, there's a lot of upside to him. However, it's one game. Yep. It's one game. Everybody calm down. <laughs> uh, but I, so one thing that I think uh, that is, is a positive sign is that the young players did play well in this game, uh, including Keandre Lambert Smith, who was targeted uh, how many times here? He was targeted once, but he didn't drop it. So mm-hmm. it was a critical third down play. And, and, and I thought it was a, a good team effort from the entire team. And to people's point, Christian Veyu was captaining, captaining all of that. Um. What are your expectations as far as next week? So we've talked a lot about this game, kind of put it in perspective. But going forward, just Michigan State, I know you've watched, you you love college football. You've watched, watched a lot of games. Have you watched a lot of Michigan State? Do you have an idea of what that team is? And, and how do you think this matches up outside of the quarterback conversation? Uh, I think the uh, obviously the biggest issue that jumps off the screen is uh, Kenneth Walker the third. The the, run, the rushing attack is fantastic. I am encouraged that Penn State's defense uh, did what they did against Michigan. Now people are going to say, "Well, Hassan Haskins had 156 yards rushing." Well, they held Michigan to 141 total yards rushing. Their average was 237 coming into that game. That is something worthy of tipping your cap to. So if you're able to do that against Michigan State. Uh, and stymie the run game even a little bit, or it's a situation where it's like, listen, Kenneth Walker is going to get his numbers, but it's the bend but don't break type of mentality, which Penn State's defense has done all season long. Mm -hmm. You feel pretty good about that. Their quarterback play is not elite. Um, Naylor, the wide receiver, was not able to play today against Ohio State. And oh, by the way, Ohio State destroyed Michigan State today. So there are going to be plenty of gaps within the Michigan State defense. But, but... 
the emotion that we have been talking about throughout this postgame show, that Christian yep. Bayou, he inspired in his team at home, senior day, beating Rutgers, an inferior opponent. The inverse is going to happen because Michigan State's going to go home for their senior day. Yep. Ticked off that they are now not even close to the college football playoff because they got smoked at the horseshoe. And in comes Penn State, who has been inconsistent all season long. It is an in-conference rivalry. These are teams that don't like each other, and there's a freshman quarterback on the other side. This will be tough. Yep. Uh, so to Ted, Ted's question, and and I, w- I want to I want to preface this with I also want to see Christian Veyu. I want to see more. I okay. absolutely. But if you're asking me, shouldn't you just play him? That if you're if you're the Penn State coaching staff. As I've always, as I've been saying for the last three weeks, Penn State fans have moved on to 2022 already. You you want to win these games, but you don't care. Do you think Penn State's coaching staff doesn't care about winning at Michigan State? Do you think that it's more important for them to va- to value the reps of seeing Christian Veyu rather than winning that football game, finishing eight and four, momentum into your bowl game, showing progress to the young players, all of these things? This isn't the NFL tanking for a quarterback. And even then, you see the teams that really do that, that truly tank. Some of them don't recover from what we're talking about, an institutional perspective of if you're saying go 1-0 every week and put your heart and soul into this game, and then you undercut those decisions by not playing your best quarterback, that you lose all credibility with your locker room. Now, the question is, as you've pointed out, if Sean Clifford is 100% operational, not healthy. He's not healthy. Like that, he's not going to be healthy this year. Perfect word. Yep. When he said he was 100% going into the Michigan game, I believed he was 100% for week 10 or whatever it was. He's 100% operational because he could run. Uh, he was sick this week. So everything on top of those things, he was not operational. We saw that. If he's healthy next week, he probably still gives you as good of a chance as Christian Veyu. You still don't know how he's going to do against a good football team. So Penn State is in the business of winning as many games as possible, which is what they're supposed to do. So all of these things are true, Ted. All of these things are correct. And I also feel like I know exactly what Sean Clifford is. It doesn't do me any good to see him play Michigan State. I would love to see Christian Veyu play against Michigan State. But if we're talking about what's going to happen and what's good for the program as the program and not us looking from the outside, Clifford is still the better option until absolutely proven otherwise. And that's how James Franklin operates. And I know that's what's frustrating about all these things, but what if he, what if you bench him and Veyu throws two interceptions to start the game? I I mean, that's, that's a rough place to be Tom. And it, and it's the challenge of this entire thing. It's a big season of what ifs. This entire conversation through this postgame show has been, what if Christian Veyu had come in in the Iowa game? What if Sean Clifford hadn't been hurt? There's a lot of what ifs. I get it. So you mentioned something before. It's like, um, are you saying that you're not trying to win if you start Christian Veyu against uh, Michigan State? I disagree. I think the way that Christian Veyu played today, he potentially gives you the best chance to win at the quarterback position if Sean Clifford is not operational and healthy. I love the way that you put that. Um, but again, it's all the things that I touched on earlier on in this show and you guys can watch it on YouTube, but I'll, I'll 
uh, rehash it a little bit here, is that if you bench Sean Clifford and you're James Franklin, now you have to go into the postseason dealing with the question of, does Sean Clifford return to this team? And I just benched my three-year starter at quarterback in the last game of the season. What yeah. message does that send to him? Is he going to stay? Is he going to try and go professional? Is he going to transfer? Is he just done with football? There's a lot of things that could come out of that. I don't think you, I don't think you hurt anything with Christian Veiu by not playing him. Yeah, um, by playing him, there's only upside, which is great. Um, so, it, it again, I just my gut tells me because what we've seen from James Franklin is that if he thinks Sean Clifford can go, he's going to give Sean the ball. Yep. And and I so I also agree with some of the things that people are saying as far as the accuracy aspect of Christian Veyu and what he's able to do, you know, from multiple different platforms, at least from what we've seen, we have seen exactly 24 throws. So let's not over again, let's not overstate what we've seen. But what we saw today was poise, confidence, moxie, hate, inspiration, hate spark. using these words because they mean oh, nothing. They mean nothing unless they're backed up with execution. So, like, they don't mean anything unless he can throw the ball accurate, accurately to, to the receivers. And there were some high balls where he was under pressure, and he still got him on the frame. I, I'm just saying that we have not seen a whole lot from Christian Veyu to say he's 100% the best option to go with next week. But he is, in one game, he's raised the question. And I think going forward... This was enough to tell me that you have a viable starter next year. Because mm -hmm. if you fast forward eight months from now, or however long it is until the till training camp next year, you've got a guy who is performing this way right now. Maybe next week it doesn't all come together again because inconsistency is the consistent thing of young football players. But at the same time, next year, I think you've got your starting quarterback. So to answer some of the questions earlier that we saw that I couldn't quite get to because they were rolling right in, I think Penn State right now, unless there is a truly great option in the transfer portal, and that usually doesn't happen, then Christian Veyu is your guy. And the other part of that is going to be if he does play as the season progresses, and then you bring in another guy and just give him the starting job, which doesn't happen to Penn State, then you then you are risking losing the locker room the same way you would be if Clifford is healthy and you're not trying to win the game next week. So I think that's going to be another threading the needle sort of thing, but you feel better about it now with Christian Veyu than you did last offseason with Sean Clifford. So I think that's that is a it's a good position to be in and only good things have happened from this. It is very much just do you cash all that in and gamble next week if Sean Clifford isn't 100% or whatever the facsimile is for the final game of his season. And I, this is very unrelated, but staying in the quarterback room, I liked what I saw out of Mason Stahl today. It was great yeah. to see him get in. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if I love him at quarterback, considering all the things that we just <laughs> talked about, because there's, there's just some better options there. But um, Mason Stahl's a decent athlete. So, it's yeah. like, okay, granted, it's the backups, it's Rutgers, it's late in the game, you know, all those factors included. Um Decent athlete there, and I've seen a lot of people saying, "Wow, there's a lot of talent on our bench." Yeah, there's a lot of experience, uh, or a lot of experience to be had, but there's a lot of talent as well. So who knows? Penn State's famous for changing guys' positions all the time. So yeah. uh, slot receiver Mason Stall is that what you're telling me? 
Uh, yes, who played quarterback today? I love seeing a guy wear number twenty at quarterback. That's yeah. the best. Yeah, he he was quicker than I was expecting. I I've seen yeah. very little of Mason running during practice, so that was. Uh, and usually he's on the scout team, so he like he, we don't see him specifically working with the quarterbacks because he's working with the defense. If you could have taken that acceleration and put that into Sean at any point throughout his career, imagine what you'd be dealing with. He just is a Mason yeah. Stahl is just a, a smaller dude in a lot of respects. I don't, I don't even know if he did he attempt to pass. I can't remember. Uh, but, I don't uh, remember. Yeah. It was pretty much just bleeding clock and getting through things. Yeah. So um, there's reason for optimism, and let's not forget Penn State won. This is something to be happy about. I yeah. was somebody who was down in the dumps, admittedly, after the Michigan game. And I was saying coming into this game, the doom and gloom of that if Penn State lost to Rutgers, excluding the outcome of the Michigan State game, that James Franklin would be 500 between 2020 and 2021. Now, does everybody feel warm and cozy now that it's 11 and 9 and we'll see what happens next week? Not necessarily, but you feel a little bit better. And there's a reason for positivity when your quarterback of the future looks good yeah Ted uh, I think that that's a fair point as well as far as inconsistency uh, the inconsistent part is just the flaws in Sean Clifford's game as far as he he doesn't play well under pressure so again that's talking about the off-platform throws the extending the play there were some times where Veyu totally dropped his eyes and he just decided to run where he wasn't looking at the coverage trying to make a play with his arm but Sean Clifford he's doing those things and still not super consistent at it especially when there is true pressure in the pocket and that's one thing that I don't know that there was true pressure on uh Veyu today for two reasons one it didn't get through and two because he checked out of it and threw the ball to the right spot another thing Sean Clifford has been inconsistent with trying to hit touchdowns on a seven-man pressure on third and four so I I agree with you there I I don't know that I've said this this week. People keep asking me, should Sean Clifford come back? It's I, It's been a hard no for me the entire year. Around week nine, I was like, oh, maybe. But I think we see clearly what is possible in this offense with a different quarterback as an early return. One last thing that I do want to talk about, because we're wrapping up here pretty soon. Um, the BWI Live postgame show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That is Tom Hannafin. He's the co-host of the Pater Podcast. Uh, with Matt McGloin. We are here breaking down Penn State and Rutgers. Thanks to everybody who's participated in the show today. One last thing I want to get out of here with is people bust on play calling all the time for Penn State. And how could you run this in a fourth down situation? How could you do X, Y, or Z? You run a fade on fourth and two against Michigan to lose the game. Rutgers' only scoring opportunity. It's fourth and two. They have obvious man coverage and an obvious blitz. They run a wheel route with a tight end as their primary target. The, it was open in the flat, and I was like, oh, throw that. that. Nope, he turned up field, and there was a sack fumble. So it happens to every football team where you needed, I was joking that they were down 4.6 scores when they were down 14 to nothing. Then they were down seven scores because they're only kicking field goals. They're not getting in the end zone in this game. And you're on a wheel round on fourth and three when you just needed three yards. So lots of coaching staffs make really dumb calls. You're just watching the Penn State ones. So what you're saying with Thanksgiving just days away is to just be grateful. That's yeah, a great I, message. Yeah. That's a great yeah. message. You got to shut out if you're a Penn State fan because of that. 
So that'll do it today for the beat. You, you, you want anything? You want to put a bow on this first, Tom? You got anything? Um, I want to uh, really quick. There was somebody in the super chat earlier about the talent from Canada. Yeah, I encourage people, and this is not just because I'm a football junkie. Watch the Canadian Football League and get past the American bias of oh, it's Canadian. The next best talent that is not in the NFL clearly is in the CFL. It's something that's been attempted to be recreated in the XFL and soon the USFL on Fox. That's coming up in the spring. The, the spring league has also been on Fox. If you want to see the next best talent in the world in American style football, Canadian style football, whatever you want to call it, it's in Canada. It makes a ton of sense for Penn State to be trying to recruit somewhere that is a very brief plane ride away from State College. I'll put it this way. Alabama flew to Hawaii to recruit Tua Tonga Vailoa yep. and then his brother. Isn't it easier to go to Canada where people aren't thinking to go and there <laughs> is outstanding talent? Yep. So this has been a great pipeline. I hope to see it continue. Uh, and uh, Tom, here's the thing. I appreciate you didn't. I appreciate you didn't give up on the season and I appreciate that you're here. And here's the thing. Win, lose or draw. We're going to be here next week on the BWI Live post-game show. Do we know a yeah, firm time yet? Is it 3.30? Oh, my four? God. They announced, like, well, it might be 3.30 <laughs> on ABC or ESPN, or it might be 4 on 5. So hopefully we'll find out tomorrow because I will be back for the Michigan State game with you. I'm super excited for that. We'll be rounding out the uh, the regular season next week here on YouTube with your BWI Live post-game show. This is so much fun with you here, Tom. Thanks for stopping by on the BWI Live post-game show. Thanks I'm your host, me. Thomas Frank Carr. We will be back on Monday with the BWI Live recap show. Myself, Nate Bauer, Dave Eckert will also have a uh, Monday BWI daily. So more stuff coming up early in the week. Fire hose of content for you on Monday. Make sure you turn back. Oh, Canada, <laughs> my new home and native land. <laughs>